Thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast on the IMDb's Top 250 Movies. In these bonus episodes, though, we don't talk about any movies in the 250. We talk about some movies we love outside of the 250. Uh, last uh, In our first bonus episode, we talked about The Blair Witch Project. Today, we're talking about The Guest. Mrs. Peterson? Yes? My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You knew Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We are pretty close. <laughs> yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. Asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self defense when he's failing up to it. What are you gonna do? Nothing bad. <laughs> For the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here. Keep it. Miss Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. But I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. I am your host, Tyler Hannon. Just a keg of beer waiting for Dan Stevens to lug me around. With me today... Kayla St. Ange, she is Anna Peterson's tremendously flattering, totally party-ready skull dress. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How's it going, Kayla? It's good. How like, is it being a piece of clothing? It's really interesting yeah. and very flattering. <laughs> you, you're just really stoked to be snug on Anna, on Anna Peterson when she goes to the party tonight. Yes. Yeah, big fan. sure. Big fan. <laughs> I am a huge fan, not only of myself. Uh, or I mean that dress I mean <laughs> that dress on her but I am also a huge fan of this movie so it works out really well <laughs> yeah this is actually so usually we have a Chris Evans corner on a regular podcast not by choice but <laughs> by you kick, dragging me kicking and screaming into it this is basically the Dan Stevens corner episode it's oh like my gosh. we took a whole corner and we just built a whole episode <laughs> on top of it yeah um I do yeah so when we watched this movie, we watched this movie twice together. Yeah. And I had already seen it several times, including in theaters. Yes, and both times, basically the entire movie was me making a high-pitched sound of, I don't know if distress is the right word, but uh, Desire longing. <laughs> because Dan Stevens is literally perfect. Yeah, a lot of this movie was specifically built on the eye candy that is... Dan Stevens and the abs that he's got going on. Yeah. That's a fun part of the movie is the way some movies are usually shot out of uh, out of sequence anyways. Like that's just a thing that happens based on what sets they have, schedules, all that stuff. This movie was shot out of sequence because they wanted to give Dan Stevens as much time as possible to bulk up for that shirtless shot. Which is by the way like 40 seconds max. So you cannot say that he has not dedicated. But his craft. it was used in 
all of the marketing <laughs> materials for this I guess movie. Maybe before we get too much into this, we should point out. So the guest is a 2014 thriller horror movie directed by Adam Wingard, famous for Your Next and segments of the VHS series, and written by his uh, usual cohort Simon Barrett. Yeah, so the movie is unfortunately not just about Dan Stevens' abs or the way that Micah Monroe looks in said skull dress. Um, but it does involve mo- mostly things that revolve around those two. It's a very, okay, so it's a very campy movie, as much as it is supposed to be like I wouldn't a horror... call it camp. It's just a fun movie. Um... It's, a va- it, it's a fun, <laughs> nostalgia, like, so when Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett made this movie. They were coming off of Your Next, which Sean and I have both told you to watch, and we'll get to at some point, uh, which was a success for them, and they've kind of had a very, uh, what you imagine most filmmakers have in Hollywood, which is they start small, and they work, and they have more success, and they get slowly bigger and bigger and bigger. That's kind of how it's been working for them. So they finally had some room to kind of make what they wanted to make. What they decided to make was a movie that was just like the ultimate 80s nostalgia thriller. A lot of John Carpenter, a lot of like the stepfather and things like that. And every review you read will mention those things. But they, it's not something critics just kind of pulled out of their ass. It's actually what those two set out to make. And honestly, I think that it works. Like, I enjoy it's, this movie so it's much. It's tremendous. <laughs> it's fun. It's funny, which is very intentional. Like, they love that dry humor is supposed to be in there. It's supposed my, uh, to be over the my top. My favorite hu- humor I don't know if it's specifically supposed to be humor, but my favorite, like, over-the-top ridiculous moment is every time Dan Stevens' character is left alone, he just suddenly, like, zooms out to, like, mm. stare at something and the music turns oh. ominous. Yeah, and it's just, like, him looking pissed <laughs> off and like not even pissed off just like something about me is dangerous and you don't know what it is yet <laughs> and i read a couple of interviews about this movie uh, or about from by these two about this movie most notably one with the dissolve rest in peace the dissolve you were too beautiful for this world i'm making a fist morning gesture yeah the dissolve, <laughs> and fortunately the dissolves archive is still up and Another thing, besides, you know, how we talk about them making the movie, is the humor is very specific, and the reason they made, they leaned into the humor of it, um, which was just because of how well Dan Stevens and Mike and Monroe got along, like the chemistry they had, they're like, okay, we could go creepy with this, and we could go funny with this, and we're going to lean into fun and funny. Which is good, because honestly, if they had gone away from that, it would have just been kind of like a really generic horror slasher thriller thing yeah and that's that's the most remarkable thing about this movie is like the easiest things you can say about it that are just so pure and true is just how fun it is and how slick it is it's just a blast also the soundtrack the soundtrack Mm. on this movie is so like i don't know if i've ever heard a collection of songs that fit together as well as the movie as well as the choices for this movie soundtrack because just Every cue is perfect, yeah. leading up to, at the very end, when they're in the gym, that Antonio song by Annie, like, every time I hear that song, I just get so, like, oh, it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> no, it's really, like, it, that's what earns the comparisons to things like Drive and It Follows, and that's why they're, like, they're all, like, these indie horror movies that have, like, just these really smartly picked out soundtracks to them, just impeccable. And I do want to say, 
with this obsessive it follows which we loved we talk about it at least once every time. two weeks <laughs> one of my beefs though was that people would you would use the guest as a punching bag to talk about how great it follows was which they'd be like sense. you thought the guest was good forget the guest check out it follows one no 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 hold up these are two very different movies and you can watch them both because they're both great. Literally, the only thing the movies have in common is the fact that Micah Monroe happens to be in both of them. Because they're, it well, follows they're also like, they're also like small indie horror movies with smart soundtracks, kind of slick photography. Yeah, but like, stuff, like, but. um, feeling wise, oh, they're yeah. completely different. The guess this is, is so... a totally fun. Like this is supposed to just be fun, whereas it follows is the life opposite runner. of fun. <laughs> Absolutely a life ruiner. I am still having nightmares on an at least monthly basis. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, so what, I guess we've kind of talked about what makes this movie so great, but, like, but what, so Dan Stevens and Micah Monroe, we keep mentioning them because, like, they're the main parts of this movie. What is it about Dan Stevens that makes him so, so great in this role? You know, Besides his abs, Besides, you cannot just mention his abs I was every time. I'm not gonna say his abs. I was. <laughs> I was talking to myself. There. Okay. Um, I think just the way he throws himself into this re- not ridiculous, but this very particular, polite Southern man ideal. Like when you think of Dan Stevens, probably most people are thinking of him as a pudgy lordling in Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. And I actually have wanted to watch that show for so long. And I don't think I ever can now because it will ru- like, I will be ruined. Like, I don't know, just something about just his facial expressions yeah. and the way he delivers his lines. He is just so utterly charming and wonderful that you can almost forgive him for murdering literally everybody. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to do it. He feels so bad about killing this family. Which is true. That's I want to touch on that later. <laughs> but, so I think one of the reasons Dan Stevens is so great is like he is a classically trained theater actor who's been in like all the classic stage performances and like he's in this hoity-toity British show and all that. And so he you drop him into this really fun role and he's just owns it. He is just like mm-hmm. into it the whole time. And it's also great timing. Because it's just when this writer and director team are like big enough where they can take auditions and they can actually get real actors for the roles, which is a thing they themselves said. And Dan Stevens is leaving Downton Abbey and he wants to expand. He doesn't just want to be the British guy. So he got super skinny and lost 30 pounds for Walk Among the Tombstones. Mm-hmm. Like they called him emaciated. That's why they had to give him time to build up bulk. And he, Dan Stevens himself described it as like, I had just come out of uh, Theory of Drama 101, and I ran into these dudes coming out of the horror classroom, and then we just got this beautiful thing because of it. It was perfect <laughs> timing. They they wanted to get they wanted to expand themselves. He wanted to break out himself, and we got this beautiful thing because of it. It's seriously yeah, and I just again yeah, I think timing is a really important thing to mention because all of his lines are just the way that they're delivered are priceless he's just a good old boy he really is like that's what's so i'm, I'm telling you he he's like thing. he's like a, he's like a southern bradley cooper across with like the captain america sensibility <sighs> yeah i definitely uh dan stevens in this movie has definitely given chris evans a well, okay not a run for his money but there's... I, I, he beat chris evans Okay, first of all, how dare you? This is, on about, this podcast. This is not about Chris Evans' kill. This is the Dan Stevens Corner episode. Okay. 
but how dare you? Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> one you of were my... picturing them having an ab off right <laughs> Again, that Maybe. was me. That was me. Ugh. I'm sorry. Keep I projecting mean, my thoughts onto you. I just it's not fair. Have a lot of feelings. But yeah, so one of my favorite, two of my favorite scenes. So and both of them have to do with the younger brother who. I feel it gets let off the hook a little bit by the fans of the movie, in a way, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so there's one scene where he and David go to the bar, and basically David goes there under the pretense that he wants to get a drink, and then kicks the shit out of all of the guys that have been bullying the younger he brother. He really wants to help this family. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So As much as his, he just, his programming spoilers will allow. <laughs> he just, like calls the bartender over and just with this like maniacal but yet polite grin just sends like what was it Cos- blowjob shots blow to the sh- ladies yes and uh cosmopolitans for their friends yeah so the guy one of the guys comes over and throws the cosmopolitan in his face and so he just whips this like cinnamon tabasco shot into his eyes and then just like beautifully destroys all of these horrible bullies. And I think that's another thing about why the, like the, this movie is so effective because Dan Stevens is totally believable as this cool almost robotic uh just gentleman like it literally makes me weak at the knees like that's the only way to describe it but also the camera work (laughs) is really effective at making you believe that he has superhero level like captain america level strength with just the way that they uh punch all of his bits of violence when he slams someone's face into the wall into the picture when he just like breaks somebody's arm with his fist when he breaks a (laughs) pool cue over this kid's back he just it's just so effective and just like, wow, you feel it. It, like, punches you right in the face. And also, like, he just never falters until the end in this, like, cool, collected, mm-hmm. happy-go-lucky, like, I'm just doing what I gotta do kind of thing. Like, for instance, in the other scene that I wanted to touch on when the younger brother, whose real name is escaping me right now, but whatever, <laughs> um, he lands himself in detention because he finally stands up to one of the kids that's been bullying him. And so David just shows up and he's like, hold on now, what happened? And the kid's like, he called me a slur that I don't really feel like saying. Mm-hmm. So I broke a, y- a yardstick over his face and he just goes, all right, cool. <laughs> and it's just like... Or is it so, awesome? It is awesome. It's <laughs> Awesome. Cool. <laughs> just, and then he just walks in and threatens to sue the school district yep. for expelling the kid. Who are you? Friend of the family. Friend of the family. That grin. That grin. It's just like, like shit eating is like not quite the right way to describe it, but mm-hmm. it's just so... Knowing? Knowing, yes. Yeah, almost almost condescending, but he's just like... You know, he's so polite that you just like wouldn't believe it. He's just, <laughs> he couldn't be condescending. He's just doing his best to help. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and another thing I like is another thing that's... Like, that's the thing. is like anything... There is only so much deep analysis movie of this movie can do because this movie isn't super deep. And that's not a criticism. It's not meant to be. It's like... They specifically cut out the things that made it deeper because it detracted from how that stuff didn't even sound deep. So there were uh, when the initial rough cut had twenty more minutes that kind of talked more about David's past, and they kind of cut that out because the audience didn't really like it, the director and writer didn't really like it, they just weren't feeling it. Um, 
the kids, as was the case with the movies that these that uh, the guest is throwing back to, are the smart ones. It's like the kids versus the adults. The adults are out of touch. They don't believe in magic anymore. And the kids know what's up, and they're the ones who have to save the day in the end. I do want to touch. Um, I want to touch on the ending. Do you think that's skipping ahead too quickly? Um, no. I mean, again, like really, what else is there to explain? Yeah, it's fine. But that's much of the movie is just this growing sense of dread while still having a lot of fun with it and just tremendous execution of everything. Now, the end when they are in this Halloween maze that's being set up for the prom that uh, that all of our characters or for homecoming that all of our characters descend on. I love it, especially because of the time of year, but do you think it feels a little out of place at all? That suddenly he's like this, mo- like Michael Myers monster treasure No, okay, maze. so I actually do have a lot of thoughts about this because I, despite the fact that there isn't a lot to go on in this movie, it's one of those movies that I just keep returning to and keep wanting to like find out more about and well, delve yeah, more into that character. I don't want to say so, too much that there's not a lot going on. It's yeah, no, just, no, no, so... For me, I feel like it's pretty clearly outlined throughout the movie that David's intention was to come help his friend's family and then get out and hide from whatever government program he was a part of. Mm-hmm. So they mess up his plans by coming in, and it's clearly stated that he has like a programming in his yeah. head that makes it so that he has to, quote, tie up all of the loose ends. So... At least for me, and I don't know if this was intentional or if it's just kind of due to Dan Stevens' acting or what, but to me it seems like every time he has to kill someone, it's very reluctant. Like, when he throws the grenades in the diner, to me it's, like, kind of just this, like, oh, sorry, and then he just, like, throws them because, like, he can't stop himself from doing it. So I don't think he turns into, like, a Michael Myers-esque killer, but a more, like, a more sympathetic and more understandable version of that where, like, he literally cannot stop himself from what is happening. And he even tells Anna in the end that she did the right thing by killing him because he knows he's dangerous. He knows, like, what's after him and, like, what could happen Mm -hmm. if that gets triggered in his brain. Yeah, and, like, when he kills the mom, when he kills the dad, when he kills people in the diner, there's just very much, he, like, he almost, he glances to the side just like, God damn damn it, and then brutally murders them. Yeah. Well, it's very much like, yeah, so they you have, like, this kind of, like, kitschy violence going on, but there's also, underneath that, this very serious, like, tone that he doesn't want to do it, can't stop himself from doing it, would rather be doing anything else, <laughs> and... He just wanted to get out of there and get his face changed. Well, really, if you think about it, like, David is a victim of illegal government experimentation on soldiers. Yeah, so this movie doesn't touch on a lot, but it very clearly is touching on the military industry, the, the uh, mili- military industrial complex. Thank you, those are the words I was <laughs> trying to get out of my mouth, but they just got <laughs> caught on my teeth or something. Yeah, so, like, David is as much of a victim as anyone else, even though it doesn't really look like it, because he's, you know, brutally murdering everyone. That's why it's, it's like, sad when he's murdering everyone. It's just like, oh, he doesn't want to do this, and everyone's dying. You know, they were so close, they were having such a great time. Everyone was going to get out, everybody's lives were going to improve. Like, okay, I don't necessarily agree with his methods of improving everybody's lives by murdering their adversaries, but... You know, sometimes... That was his training. You you just have to have a good adversary murder sometimes in your life. It's good for your character. Yeah, that's actually... That is the one. So beating up the kids. Like, those kids were assholes. You know, we can can get behind that. Killing the dad's boss so that he could get promoted. I'm like, ah, that one... 
that's a little more evil. There are better ways to deal with that. A little more evil. That's a harder one to back up. Also, (laughs) framing Anna's boyfriend for murder. Yeah. At least he didn't kill him, though. Like, he'll just be in jail for drugs. I guess he wasn't even framed for murder. It was more of the drug stuff, because he was a drug dealer. Yeah, he framed it. He planted the pistol that he shot. Right. (laughs) So we just kind of remind ourselves, like, no, he was fine. Okay, it's okay he is a victim and it's kind of a moral gray area again that kind of touches on the problem it implies that he was made this way yeah that not that he was this way and got the training but that like everything he is now is because of you know his training and programming yeah so yeah when it comes down to it again even that kind of gray area stuff is a subtle commentary on that military industrial conflict complex and it becomes even more overt when you listen to what they talk about so what these two dudes want to do is they want to get to the point where they can actually make uh they have ideas for in the the interview they specify two war movies they have ideas for and that like those movies kind of movies just haven't been made yet and they kind of go back and forth talking about how they are not soldiers they don't have that experience so they don't want to presume anything but they're also very interested in this idea and want to make these war movies and so it, i am fascinated by you can see what they're going for here but what might be coming from them in the future in terms of like the kind of war movie like what it's will it be more like this because they're very specific on that it's some like something that hasn't been made before which is easy to say another thing to pull off yeah well, I don't know. I feel like war movies are kind of, at least for me, all the same. Yeah. And I'm not really into them. Mm-hmm. So I would be interested to see their take on it from a more, or from a less ridiculously patriotic standpoint, I guess. More of like a real, like, not gritty. Gritty's not the word I'm looking for. But like more of like a realistic portrayal of like what's yeah. happening and what people are going through rather than, I don't know, the American Sniper. More along <laughs> like the Kubrick kind of sense of it, or... Mm, yeah, as much as I hate to admit I, I it. I know, you don't like to credit Kubrick. As much as I hate to admit it, yes. No, I, that's 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 false. There are Kubrick things that I like. I, I just disagree with some of his methods. <laughs> Please don't lose us, all of our listeners, <laughs> at this moment. We haven't even gotten to the Forrest Gump episode yet. <laughs> but yeah. Back to this movie. <laughs> and another reason I, I want to see what these guys do is I feel like they are very talented, and even more so than just being talented at specific things, I think they are very deft and have a uncanny ability to walk a lot of lines and blend a lot of things together that wouldn't necessarily work together. So this is a nostalgia throwback movie that's not super campy and kitschy. It's fun, but it also it takes itself seriously enough that it's it's not like it's not just there to be laughed at. There's it's, humor, but it, there are still stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it's a, a nostalgia, but it's also very slick and new. Well, there's also a general, like a genuinely interesting story going on underneath yeah. it. Which with a lot of horror movies in this vein, it's really easy to miss that or mischaracterize your character, mischaracterize the people, mm-hmm. or just. I don't know, adhere to whatever horror trope is popular at the moment, and I feel like they did a really good job of avoiding all of that. That's why I don't want, like, that's why I like to give this movie respect, because because it's so, like, uh, it feels a little more, um, a little more fun and a little more throwaway. It doesn't get the respect of the kind of, it follows, because it follows, does that very difficult thing of accomplishing dread. Like, just, um, Pure dread. Existential dread that follows <laughs> you everywhere. But I think what It Follows done is 
or uh, I think what the guest does is also very hard to do, which a lot of horror movies, like so many horror movies, I've seen so many horror movies, and so often, like, they'll do some things right enough so that you can forgive the other stuff. And this movie has enough going on, but it also has great characters, great action. I just feel like it does so many things well that it makes it more worthwhile than certain movies that have just, like, great that are like an A plus in some circumstances, but kind of pass on the rest. That's actually something that I really like about this movie because, I mean, you guys have heard us talk about horror movies already in pretty decent detail, Mm -hmm. but for me it's really nice to have a movie where I don't feel like I have to overlook something to enjoy it. I And I think that's probably why I like it so much is that I can enjoy watching it from start to finish without feeling at some point like some part of my values are being compromised mm-hmm. or that I have to like turn off a part of myself to just kind of like oh like okay that bothers me but I it's fine like the rest of the movie kind of makes up for it like you said yeah. like this movie doesn't have any moments like that for me at least and another thing I like watching it like we've talked about their futures a bit but I feel with just about all of the main people involved in this movie, because they're able to do all these things, because this movie is so well done, I also have the sense that we will see great things and bigger things. Well, Michael Monroe is already people. cast in two major motion picture, like a novel adaptation and the Independence Day sequel, so she's set. Dan Stevens just got cast in a big uh, sci-fi movie with Anne Hathaway. Oh my god, I'm so excited um, for that. <laughs> Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett are attached to the American remake of I Saw the Devil, which, I mean, I'm jet, remakes of Japanese horror movies are hit and miss, but with these two attached to that movie, I'm excited. And they mm-hmm. have a couple other things lined up as well. Like, I feel like all these people are are going to be going to big places so it's really cool to see them kind of kick ass in this smaller movie i didn't mention the box office um this movie did not make a lot of money apparently they were didn't it have like a super limited release yeah it was like super limited. limited oh no okay so what happened we didn't know the the budget isn't listed uh I saw written, five million. On yeah, IMDb. five. That's all I saw, though. I couldn't quite confirm that, but he must have let that slip in an interview because in the ones I read, they were both very leery about saying. Well, they were like, "Money, yeah." Like it's <laughs> weird to talk about money, but uh, the movie made only about uh, three hundred thousand domestically. It didn't even open in that many theaters. It had like a nine hundred per screen average which I now feel very fortunate to have seen that movie twice at two different theaters here. I'm jealous. <laughs> it was pretty great. I saw, I saw it in a double feature with Tusk. One of those movies Yikes. held up way more <laughs> than the other. But uh, this movie was actually, and it, it was an American production, despite having Dan Stevens in it, but it made uh, over $2 million in uh, the foreign markets, mostly the... Uh, Mostly in the UK, where it was released first. Where Dan Stevens is popular? Yes, weirdly. <laughs> so it only made, like, if all that's right, it only made back about half its budget, but it was also only a $5 million budget in the first place. It was well-reviewed. It probably did pretty well on DVD and Blu-ray. Like, I don't think anyone's I think it's going to be one of those movies that. that's going to end up having a super cult following, honestly. Like, We're sitting right here. Yeah, well, it's, I mean... The like, cult it, following is here. <laughs> and the Join next, us. In the next couple of years, I feel like it will get the 
recognition that it deserved. And it did get some good recognition online. Mm-hmm. It just didn't have, it didn't translate, it didn't become a thing the way It Follows became a thing. It Follows had a really strange trajectory because I remember we specifically drove an hour to a yeah. theater to see it and then like three weeks later it randomly, they were like, alright, wide release, it's happening. Well yeah, that's because it did so well in limited release that the studio, I think it's oscilloscope, I might have, I might be wrong. No, no, it's not oscilloscope. Uh, damn uh but it might be i don't know it's um whatever studio they uh (laughs) those guys (laughs) i'm a fan of the studio i wish i could remember the name of it i'm tell us in the comments what the name is (laughs) but i'll look it up we'll edit in the show notes (laughs) but uh that studio uh it this movie did so well through word of mouth and the critical acclaim and all that and did really well it's limited release so they kind of went on a gambit they opened it to a wider release kind of like what steve jobs just did to even worse effect and it didn't really explode but this movie still was a great success it made a lot of money even if it didn't turn into like a paranormal activity phenomenon yeah well plus that movie and probably the guests who are gonna have a long like dvd shelf life mm-hmm. from the video like just working at the video store it follows rented pretty consistently yeah and, like, these people are gonna keep working and they're gonna keep doing pretty well and i think it'll keep these movies at least somewhat in the cultural consciousness appearing on your buzzfeed lists of what over underrated horror movies that you've never heard of and things like that yeah but yeah. Any yeah. final points on this movie, Kayla? Um, just that you should probably watch it. Honestly, oh, if you're looking, if you're looking for a good thing to get in the Halloween spirit without being totally scared out of your wits, if you just want to like hang out with your friends and have a couple of drinks, this is literally the perfect movie to do that too. That's the thing. It's like it's more thriller than horror movie. Like, but it, but it is, has such a Halloween it, vibe. Yeah, and there's enough a horror oeuvre going on there that I feel like it fits. Is this like it a, just won't scare you. Yeah, it's, just, okay. it's the perfect party movie, honestly. We have very specifically done that mm-hmm. at least twice now. So yeah, it works out. And yeah. if nothing else, just show them the marketing materials be like, that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's also such an impressive moment because Micah Monroe becomes the audience there. <laughs> She's the audience She's surrogate the... and just going, whew. <laughs> She is me, she is we. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the movie. I mean, like, I, I do have a last bit of trivia. Sure. So in that scene where he comes out, uh, to really get uh, the full effect, they even, they didn't have him eat for 24 hours, and then they had him drink, like, a Diet Coke or a pop like that, that I, and had him do 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups. Ugh. Because I guess that tightens the muscles and really just makes it pop. And you know what? It worked. I don't know what the the, the, the exercise that makes sense. I get why that would get them to pop, but like, I don't get the pop. Maybe because it dehydrates you or the gas or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Science. Know. Science. Science wizards. Science and movies. Yeah. Uh, my trivia for the week, basically, uh, we kind of, there's not a whole lot of trivia out there for this movie. We kind of covered everything when we yeah. were talking, so. The shoot went very well. Nothing crazy. They, they all loved each other. Mm-hmm. So. so basically, uh, so the defense contractor that experimented on David is called KPG, which is the same company mentioned in the other Adam Wingard movies, You're Next, VHS, and V, or I'm sorry, NVHS 2. Mm. So in VHS 2, the eye experiment is by the military contractor called KPG, and in your next, the dad had just 
retired from KPG. So that's an interesting thing that is apparently running through all of the stuff that he does, and I would be interested to see if these, this eventual war movie they want to do ends up dealing with that. Yeah. And related to that, someone appears in the party scene in a mask from Your Next. Yeah. Actually, the composer of the music from the movie is the one in the mask. Nice. It's really specific. I love that kind of like threading through movies mm-hmm. and connecting universes. They were tempted to do even more because back when they were didn't have the budget to get Dan Stevens and real actors, they'd have to act in them themselves. And so they were tempted for a little bit to put themselves in the movie in the mask and to do more. And apparently your next is written on the wall, but they got a little cute but not too cute. It's just cute enough. <laughs> Pretty much. And that's like I'm Honestly, that's just my what I was saying for this whole movie. Everything they do, they do it really deftly, and it comes. They do just the right amount of everything to make this awesome, tight little thriller that didn't do super well, but <laughs> we'll live on in our hearts. We'll live on in our hearts, and did have appreciation <laughs> online, and is getting them all bigger work. So, yeah, thank you, everyone thank you involved for... in this. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe now we'll have the Dan Stevens corner. I mean, we can have the Dan Stevens corner, but only if we can still have the Chris Evans corner. I still can't believe that you said that they, that, I just, I don't know, I just can't believe you. I can't believe you would betray our Lord and Savior sponsor, Chris Evans, in this way. (laughs) I just had to get it in there. (laughs) At least we'll always agree on Anna Kendrick? Yes. (laughs) Anna Kendrick is the glue that brings the Let the Right Films In podcast together. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, We're going to have one more bonus episode drop at the end of the week if you're listening to this the week of. If not, please do go back and check out any of our Halloween bonus episodes or just follow up with our regular episodes. You can get in contact with us uh, at ltrfipod at gmail.com or at ltrfipod on Twitter. We have a Facebook that's slash let the right films in and a Tumblr uh, that is let the right films We post the episodes there. That's where we post the show notes with links to all the related materials, reviews, interviews, soundtracks, things like that. And along with movie posters. There are a lot of cool movie posters for a lot of these movies because the internet is a beautiful place full of talented nerds (laughs) who are better at everything than us except for talking. We talk like champions. (laughs) So we share their work there (laughs) with credit. I just reblog it with their... Yes. so anyway, please check all of those things out. (laughs) It would really mean a lot to us if you would like our Facebook page, as it is still fairly new. And, yeah. Let's not go over the top promoting ourselves, you know. We want to be cool, and, like, we don't care, but, like, please like us. Please like us. We care so much. But not really. Okay, anyway, thank you for listening to this bonus episode. We will see you guys very soon, I'm sure. Or rather, we will not see you. You will hear us very soon. Wow, very smoothly done. (laughs) 